When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to a badass vocalist from Dangerous Toys, Igniter, and various other projects, Jason McMaster. We talk about his upcoming and recent work, podcasting, Operation Rock and Roll, and of course, Dangerous Toys. Check it out. Well, Jason, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Good, man. So I got to ask you, I'm hearing things, I'm seeing things online. Uh, you're working on some new music. You're writing some new tunes? Um, I'm always working on new music. <laughs> um, you know, I've got uh, I've got a new thing called Cassius King that I'm doing with these guys out of New Jersey. I'm about to get into some uh, recording, some new stuff for another one of my projects called uh, Howling Sycamore. Okay. I am uh yeah I'm I'm busy. There's 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 a lot of things on my plate right now. Yeah. That's awesome. For the um for the guys you're working with out of New Jersey, when is that going to come out? Uh soon. That'll be out before before anything else. There's uh you know there's other things that you know I've been that I've been working on off and on for you know going on years now. Uh dangerous new dangerous toys would be one of those things, but cool. as far as uh this thing out of Jer- this, these guys uh, out of Jersey, they uh, they've been doing it <clears throat> with a, a just under another name for a while now called uh, Vessel of Light, and they wrote about three records within about four years, and they're all out. And um, the guy, the main guitar player Dan Lorenzo, he keeps on writing. So you know, I've been friends with Dan forever. Uh, he was in a band called Hades, and the other guys in Cassius King as well as Vessel of Light were also in Hades at one point. And, uh, when I left Watchtower in the, in the late 80s to do the toys thing, uh, their singer was the one that I got to replace me in Watchtower. So, okay. it's kind of funny that I'm in, I'm working with the Hades guys and then Alan from Hades works with the Watchtower guys, so it's a pretty interesting nest of incest. So uh, these are people that I've known a long time. To answer your question, the the record is called uh, Field Trip. It's on Nomad Eel Records. It'll probably be low numbers, but it's going to come out on CD and vinyl. And, uh, you know, you, there's been talk about it on the Internet. It's supposed to come out. I don't have a date, but it's coming out this year. Okay. You know, and shit, it's already May, so. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is going by pretty damn fast. When it comes yeah. to, to yeah. Dangerous Toys music, I mean, it's been a long time since you did a new album of Dangerous Toys music, so, like, how many songs do you have kicking around for, for something like that? Um, For the Dangerous Toys thing, you know, uh, we, we hadn't written uh, together in so long... Um, because we just didn't feel, I know this sounds crappy and fans don't want to hear this, but we really did feel like there was not a whole lot of reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of bands from back then that, you know, 
kept it alive and kept going and they you know different versions sometimes two versions of the same band on the road at the right. same time right and stuff like that and and we didn't we didn't do that and we're as far as i'm concerned we're still all original guys and in order to keep that credibility you know we just we just went at our own pace and if that meant not being able to get in a room and write together, uh, so be it. You know, for the most part, and this is a real bad attitude, and I know that I have a bad attitude sometimes, <laughs> but I'm fucking working on it, okay? So, anyway, uh, you know, it's important, uh, I think, for people to know that, you know, we never broke up. Uh, we just pulled way back, and I think I've already explained reasons but um, my bad attitude was, you know, everybody just wants to hear Welcome to the Jungle and Sweet Child of Mine so they can go home. Right. And in our case, it was everybody wants to hear Scared and Teasing and Pleasing and maybe maybe a few people have a different favorite song, but those, those hit songs on that first record, they're waiting for those and, you know, they can tell what time in the show it is when we play those songs we <laughs> save those till the end so no one will fucking leave you know so you know uh because they gotta you know they have to relieve the babysitter that's so, right that's right so you know um we we have uh to answer your song sorry long-winded uh <laughs> we we have uh probably about eight or nine songs okay you know it's uh you know not all of them you know might Maybe not all of them are are actually you know record ready, you know. But but I will uh, I'd say a, you know a bunch of them are. It's mainly me and Scott putting them all together, and um, you know it, because it, it's kind of we feel like, uh, and I and I feel like the band is can can agree with me on this. It's it's the sound of Scott's guitar and my voice that really make the band. So. Sure. You know, the sound of the band is based on uh, what Scott does and what I'm doing over top of it. So Definitely. And another thing that you do is you do podcasting, uh, the Talk Louder podcast that you do with Metal Dave. You know, I've checked out a few episodes. I, I really enjoyed the one you guys were talking about, the Kiss Alive albums. And I saw there was one about power ballads, and <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Do you enjoy doing stuff like that? Do you enjoy doing podcasts? Well, I'm 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 new to it, and and uh, you know, Dave, I've been a fan of his writing for a long time, and we've been friends for a really long time. And uh, Jared, uh, my guitar player in Broken Teeth, he's he's a producer and an engineer, and he's a gearhead and stuff like that. And and uh, you know, he's. He's directed our, you know, the Broken Teeth videos, and, you know, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of awesome that I have all these techie people that I work with in all of my projects, because I'm not the techie one, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, it's helpful, but one day Jared calls me, and he's like, what do you think about you and Metal Dave hosting a podcast, and, you know, I've got all the gear, I've got an OBS system, and I can, you know, do the editing and stuff, and we would just shoot it and then I can edit it and da 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 and I was like wow that that sounds like it's you're making it sound like it's going to be easy I said well you know imagine a hundred shows and then but he's right and uh, you know fast forward here we are we just shot our, like our 35th episode okay so you're getting and I feel like we just and I feel like we just started like 
uh, three months ago or something. So it's like, sit, work too long. We're going to be capping a hundred. So yeah, I'm almost at a hundred too. It, it it does. It is weird how yeah. fast it goes. It's like wow. It's like it, you know, time yeah. flies. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, I think that you know it's been going pretty well. And uh, you asked me if I like doing things like that. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I've been. I feel like I've been answering fan mail and not, I'm not tooting my own horn here by it, by saying, you know, I get fan mail, but you know, I, I was licking stamps and writing, you know, trying to push my own bands, the DIY thing in the, in the early eighties and my, you know, my, my earliest bands, you know, sending, you know, demo tapes and promotional items and selling t-shirts and, and fanzines and shit like that since, uh, shit before people that I know have been alive. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, since, since, you know, the early 80s. So, you know, I was into the fanzines and the tape trading and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, that's how bands used to get signed. That's how people found out about Metallica and Slayer and shit like that. I think, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records was you know, he was a fan just like everybody else and, and, uh, started his own fanzine just so he could write about, you know, interview bands and stuff like that and, and put them in his fanzine. And, uh, the great idea of the Metal Massacre records, which are, you know, compilation records mm -hmm. of all the, you know, all of his friends' bands was basically the reason that he started that whole thing. And, Holy shit, Slayer and Armored Saint and Rat and all those L.A. bands, they were all on his, on, on his uh, compilation records, and it was, it, it introduced all, that whole scene to the world. And, you know, Metallica was on that record. So, you know, the, the podcast thing is an extension of, and, and what Talk Louder does for the most part is uh, celebrate that. You know, just the... Uh, the campfire stories and, and the knowledge and, um, you know, this is, this, you know, I know people that have, that are long in the tooth that, are, you know, were compiling things like that pre-internet, you know, that you mm -hmm. can't fact check anything. You have to make a bunch of phone calls and write a bunch of letters and, you know, the, the world is a different place now. So, um, I'm fascinated with that stuff and I always have been. So it just kind of makes sense that me and my friends have a podcast where we just get in there and like set it on fire, talk about it, you know, do a little bit of research. To be honest, we don't really like doing, doing the ones that the, where we have to do enough research. It's basically fact checking and putting timeline on stuff. But right, right. we like the ones that we know that we're big enough nerds about already. We can just <laughs> go in and wing it. And those come out the best. It's true. It's true. You know, a lot of things yeah. that you were saying made me think about like the stuff that I do. And it, like a lot of times people message me, it's like, oh, you got to interview this guy. You got to interview this guy. But if I, if I wasn't a fan growing up, I mean, I could still do it. But like you said, it's way easier when like you just live, like it's not even like there is no work involved. It's just like I, I might plot a couple ideas what I want to talk about in a conversation, but I already know all this stuff. I don't have to go back and try to relearn it. You know, it is, it's crazy how much, uh, and it's crazy how much stuff we know as fans. You know, sometimes it's almost sad because, <laughs> like, yeah. we have a lot of useless information. But you know, it's it is crazy how much we know about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it, you can you know 
podcasts are for nerds and everybody knows that if you want to hear a bunch of uh you know old fat dudes talk about heavy metal this is for you this is perfect yep it's a fucking good time and you know you're gonna love it and it's perfect and um and we love it and we're having a good time and you know, it, it helps all of us remember, you know, the first time we heard Kiss and Van Halen and ACDC. And, and that's why we're still the people. That's why we're who we are. And it's uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, it's almost like a, com- you know, freaks who go to Comic-Con and stuff like that. It's the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Talking about doing research and getting ready for an interview, I had to do a little bit for, for this with you. And, and I went back... Well, it's not too far because you just guys put it out. Was Igniter and wow, man, I'm a little late to the party. Like I, I never heard Igniter before, and uh, I was blown yeah. away, man. It's just great, straight up old school metal. It was really fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah, uh, the golden age of black magic, especially Igniter because we you got one more ride, and that is old. Uh, uh, we we are really kind of doing. It's kind of similar to the sort of cradle that Broken Teeth decides to dip into. And, you know, it's a, it's an old school, you know, it's for people who say, you know, it's not like, you know, the new stuff's not like the old stuff. Remember the good old days and, right. and you know, this style is, you know, trying to make something fresh doesn't mean modern to me. True, yep. You know, um, I think that, you know, Everything is blues based. You know, all rock music and metal music is is blues based. There's a minor scale. There's a major scale. It's all been done. You know, so you can't really think that you're just uh, reinventing anything. Now, I think that being fresh is is important, and I think that uh, Igniter did that. On uh, you know, Igniter's been around a long time now. Um, I replaced their first singer, Erica, in like 2007, and they had two records out before me. So like 2003 or something, they've been around. So, um, and you know, I've known the, the guys in Igniter forever because they were in up and coming bands, you know, when I was in Watchtower in the 80s. So, you know, it's pretty cool that uh you know that i can i've been making music with uh you know the toys and the igniter guys and these are people that i've known forever now at this point when i joined the toys i didn't really know those guys but i mean i can't say that now right after 10 20 30 years (laughs) by the way the the first dangerous toys record came out today 32 years ago I know that. I saw that online today. I was like, wow, how fitting that we're talking today and, and this is the anniversary. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's perfect. But uh, I'm glad that you brought up Igniter and the new record. Uh, it's a great record, and all all bands say, you know, oh, our new shit, I love our new shit the best. You know, it's the best record, but it could be arguable. I mean, even someone who went back and listened to, uh, you know, records two and three and four records, the uh, golden age of black magic i feel pretty good i'd bet 20 bucks you know they'd go i don't, eh, I don't know this new one's pretty fucking good <laughs> and uh because it you know it's just it's fresh to us and that that's real but i really do think the songwriting is uh more three-dimensional 
on the new record. Yeah, I could hear it. I mean, I could, you know, we said first listen, I was like, wow, th- these melodies and stuff are sticking with me already. And then, you know, second listen, it, it, it's kicking in. So I think with all of us, we, we kind of, you're not going to be right into it maybe the first listen. You're not going to know every song by heart, obviously, but you know if it's if it's working for you or not. Yeah. And, and I could tell, you know, song-wise yeah. and melody-wise, it was working. Well, hey, you, you brought up the, the first Dangerous Toys, and this is the 80s glam model cast, and 1989 is just an epic year, man. So that was a killer album you guys put out, and there was a ton of killer debut albums. What was it like, like, coming out that year? And I mean, it just had to be awesome. Well, I call, I call that the class of 89, and I've called it that a long time now, because um, it's kind of spot on. There were a lot of bands that got a record deal, you know, 87, 88, 89. A lot of them were good, and a lot of them were crap. Right. That's not it. Uh, and the business was, you know, swinging around, trying to hold on with their, their claws, the, uh, the coattails of Guns N' Roses. Uh, which were the new thing, you know, and and uh, as Motley Crue continued to be, I don't want to say softer, but different, changing their game a little bit from, you know, Too Fast for Love and uh, Shout at the Devil. It's like immediately after that, there was uh, some kind of change. And, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses was cooking around that time. And then by 87... Uh, you know, they were, they were the new thing, yet still kind of had an underground thing going on. And at the same time, there were a lot of bands that already had a record out in 87 and 88, like, uh, Dirty Looks is one of them. Right. And I, and I think that, you know, maybe, uh, um, Disneyland After Dark had a couple out. It, it goes on and on and on. Uh, but, but, you know, it was an exciting time because, there were a lot of bands that uh, finally had a chance to try to stick their foot in the door, and I think that it was cool because there were a lot of fans that, okay, well, I've, I've listened to, you know, Appetite a million times. What else is out there that's like this? Because I found something that I like, you know, that's not my mom's Motley Crue record or something, <laughs> right, right? Right, So, yeah, it was, it was, it was about like that. And uh, I think that there was a bit of a healthy competition going on between labels um, as well as the bands they were signing. But I really think they were trying to find another guns, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So MTV, MTV was eating it up, too. And, you know, they, they took a lot of bands under their wing. And, you know, they made some great relationships with, uh, with bands. And, you know, not just... Not just cock rock bands either, you know, it was like the police were kicking ass, you know, all that decade. And, you know, when the 90s came around, it was going to be short lived, you know, I, I could say little did we know, but man, it happens all the time. It did, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the Seattle bands or not, you know, it's good. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what style of music it is. It could have been, you know, a new resurgence of disco. It could have been anything that uh, sort of changed the way the wind was blowing and made people change their wardrobe. We didn't change our wardrobe. We just kept playing rock and roll. <laughs> you know what the crazy thing is? I was thinking about this today, and 
you know, when we think of the 90s, a lot of it was basically like, you know, 80s metal is bad and, you know, alternative and grunge is where it's at. But if you think of the late 80s, especially with MTV, there was Yo! MTV Raps. There was um, 120 Minutes. There was uh, Headbangers Ball, you know, like MTV really showcased all kinds of music. Yeah, I think that they were trying to put everything in a box, and that made it easy for them to clean house in case they needed to. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. was, I, I really do think that there was a lot to that uh, by my last comment. Um, little did they know, it, it was easy for them to clean house by the time you know somebody else was more popular on their network than the last guy. So. Now, Scared, we all know that Scared is about Alice Cooper, so I'm assuming you are a big, or have always been a big Alice Cooper fan, I and mean, you got a favorite Cooper album? Well, that's really hard. Um, I, Welcome to My Nightmare was uh, influential um, in many ways, because Alice can write any kind of song, you know, he's, yeah. he wrote ballads, he wrote, like, you know, sort of these horrific sort of theatrical moments with uh, orchestrated music where he had strings and pianos and and at the same time he could write, you know, a heavy metal song and uh, turn it into something else, another style on a dime. And, uh, you know, Elton John, you know, could do that. And so I put him in there with like, uh, he, you know, Alice Cooper is like the evil Elton John. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter what instrument they play or, you know, they were the front men of, of their collective, uh, you know, uh, bands. But holy moly, you know, uh, the styles are all over the place with Alice. So it was easy for me to look a bunch of different ways and find what I, I, I wanted to listen to as early as mid-70s, you know, up to a certain point, um, I wasn't really an Alice fan much anymore, but, man, there was a time around, it was around the time that I would started having to hustle and write, write lyrics to the Dangerous Toys music because, you know, shit, I guess we're a real band now, we better come up with some music, you know, because we were only around for such a short time before we got a deal. You know, I was in the middle of a, of a giant Alice kick, you know, so um, it was real easy for me to come up with lyrics for Scared because I was just had Alice brain, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the song is not really about Alice Cooper. It's dedicated to him sure. um, because uh, I was kind of borrowing from him and uh, I wanted it to be obvious. Uh, so, you know, it was dedicated to him. And if you if you. If you read the lyrics and you know you're Alice Cooper, there's a couple of things in there that resemble, you know, lyrics and album titles and things like that in the in the song. And a lot of people don't get it, but the first line in the song is, who is the man in the white vest? Well, I'm pertaining to Alice Cooper, the straight jacket mm. that symbolizes the white vest. Mm -hmm. the, uh, and when he's dressed up like singing elected, he's wearing a white suit with a top hat. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's a couple of image things that I was thinking of when I wrote that. And anyway, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a song that a lot of people play on Halloween radio shows that, 
that do you know the monster mash you know they'll 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 play danzig and the misfits and they'll play king diamond they'll play kiss and they'll play gore and they'll play dangerous toys because of alice cooper nod and it says you know hey man i think i like being scared which is you know lends itself to halloween and horror films as well as alice yeah, you can tell there's even some vocal parts that you kind of emulate them, you know, toward the end. I know, like, I'm becoming his pet, you know, with that spoken Alice, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, it, I'm making it as obvious as I can that in those little spoken word places, I'm, I'm kind of doing, like, Alice voice, you know, kind of nasal and creepy, almost laughing or crying, kind of manic voice, yeah. So it had to be crazy... You know, I remember seeing you guys on Headbangers Ball with him around Halloween, and then ultimately you're on the Operation Rock and Roll tour. I mean, that was just a whole other animal. I saw that tour in Weedsport, New York, and that was just amazing, man. You guys, Metal Church, Motorhead, uh, Alice Cooper, and Judas Priest, kick-ass concert. I'll never forget it. Concert, the Miller Genuine Draft Concert Series at Cayuga County Fairground. Judas Priest. Alice Cooper. With Motorhead, Dangerous Toys, and Little Church. You know it's summer when they're rocking in Weedsport. Tickets to Ticketmaster, Ticketron on the Fairgrounds box office. All music available on Epic and Columbia CDs and cassettes. August 8th, Operation Rock and Roll from the Miller Genuine Draft Concert Yeah, fun times on that. Uh, basically touring with, uh, you know, what might seem like our peers to everybody else, but, you know, shit, we were on tour with our idols, right. you know, and uh, just trying to be as cool as them was, you know, it was, it, in our heads, it was impossible, so we were just cool to ourselves, you know, we just, we were just, you know, stayed ourselves and stayed in our own uh, world and did what we did as as hard as we could, sandwiched right in between Metal Church and Motorhead, which is, if you let it, it's an uncomfortable place because sure. you're, you know, you're, you're high expectations. You know? Now, somebody said t- something to me the other day, and they they called it ill fated. They called the tour ill fated. Did the tour do poorly, or did something happen? I, I mean, to me, it was packed and it was amazing. So I I was just kind of shocked when somebody told me that. Well. I I understand what they mean, and I'm not you know I'm not mad at someone if they you know say look at numbers and say this or that. But fans didn't you know the fans that were excited about that they they were they're still excited about it. They say man I was at that it was fucking awesome and I got the t-shirt and they you know they're fans. But people looking at numbers and thinking that you know. Oh, it didn't sell. The tickets didn't sell very well. I mean, it was in summer 1991. There were a lot of things going on. True, true. But I think that that Sony, because that was a Sony tour. All the bands were were on either Epic or Columbia, which is all Sony. So it was a way for Sony to do one last ditch effort to try to sell off the, their catalog that's on the pallet. You know, that's yep. slowing down. And, uh, Priest was on the end of Painkiller. Uh, Alice was on the end of Hey Stupid. You know, we were, we were out for blood by way that it was really, um, the only way we thought that Hellacious Acres, you know, the second, <clears throat> the second Toys record was even going to sell at all. Um, and Metal Church, I feel the same. 
you know. Um, you know, a year later, we, we were off the label, and I believe Metal Church was, too. So it was obvious it was a ditch effort, you know, uh, to try to clean. You know, Sony was cleaning it up a little bit. And uh, that's okay. That's fine. But ill-fated, you know, maybe two or three of the dates fell out completely because of lack of ticket sales. And then there might have been two or three other shows that were uh, brought down to a smaller venue. Okay. And that means that those gigs, not all five bands played. Um, there were a couple of shows, I recall, that, the toys stayed on the bill, and it was so it was toys, priest, and Cooper, and Motorhead and Metal Church were pulled. Um, it was a total mind screw for me because I was like, "Hey, man, this isn't fans are going to be pissed. Shit, I'm pissed. I want you know, I want Motorhead and Metal Church on this bill." Yeah, and it was kind of a thing where. The reason we were still on the bill is because we were selling more records than they were, and and or the mar in the market that we were at, right? So Motorhead and Metal Church would go, to, you know, they had a couple days off in a row at that point. They would go just book a one off at a club and play in a club like a packed club, you know, mm -hmm. which I thought worked out really well for them, um, even though it might have been a bit of a of a scrounge. Um, because I'm thinking that, you know, if that club had another act in there, they were like, had to boot them off and then come up with a bunch of money so they could get Motorhead in their club, you know. Hmm. But I, I think that happened in Indiana and it happened in Florida. Interesting. So, sounds like, you know, yeah. makes sense. You know, and I, I've talked about this with people a ton of times about 1991. And let's talk about Hellacious Acres because. You know, this is coming right out in the whole grunge thing. So, I mean, what? Obviously, most I most people would think like, "Hey, we had a, a gold album with our first one. Let's let's get to platinum on the next one." But I mean, what was the feeling with with everything that was going on? How did you guys feel when that album came out? The, the, your second one. Well, we we when we're on tour with the Cult in uh, early '90, and the label is telling our manager like need to pull those guys off the road so they can make a record. Because the window of opportunity, it's just contracts, is what they're talking about, you know? Right. Um, because they could see the climate. They're looking at numbers, they're watching the numbers fall, and we're not watching the numbers. We're on the road playing rock and roll, and that's all we care about, and we're getting pretty fucking good at it. And we're selling enough records to argue with them and say, dude, are, are we, are we, are we dead? Are we not, are we dead in the water? Are we not selling records? And the word was, you guys are doing great, but if you don't have a new record, it's going to be over. And I'm, in hindsight, I almost wish we would have stayed out on the road and just milked the shit out of that first record because if it was doing well. But they pulled us off and we started writing and uh, the result was Hellacious Acres because they wanted it to come out uh, in summer of 91. So that left us, at that point, it only left us like a year and change to write, record, and make a video, you know, all of the to-do list, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that about half the songs on the record are good, and I think the other half is kind of like these half-cooked TV dinners, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not quite there yet. 
you know, the picture looks good, and the, you know, it's you know, it's dangerous toys, and you, it sounds like dangerous toys, and I mean, I don't know, dude, because there's a lot of fans that say, oh man, this song and that song are, are you know, that's my favorite song by you guys, and it's like a song that we've never played live. It's a song that we don't like. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's weird. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I had the first album, but somehow Hellacious Acres escaped me. I, I never had it. I, I probably heard some of it live when you guys, when I saw you in 91. And I remember Gimme No Lip having a video, and I, I thought that got played a, quite a bit, you know, on Headbangers Ball. So I went back and I jammed on this, man. I was I was really enjoying it. I, I mean, I really freaking like it. Especially, um, I like catchy stuff. And to me, some of this stuff seems catchier than what's on your first album. And like Sticks and Stones... Line them up and Gypsy, Black and Blue Valentine. Dude, some of those songs, if yeah. I listen to them a couple times, they're in my head for like the whole rest of the day, especially like the verses to line them up. It's like so, man, it's so good. I, I'm I'm so glad I rediscovered this album because I'm loving this. Like those tracks that, I mean, they all sound good, but especially yeah. those catchy freaking songs, man. I love them. Yeah, like like I said, you know, a couple of the songs you mentioned, those are in it, those are on my my short list of, the, <laughs> of what the band feels like are the good ones. Right, right. And uh, you know, Gypsy was written with a guy in New Jersey, uh, Jack Ponty, who wrote some stuff with Alice on Hey Stupid. You know, we we didn't really like the song, but you know they spent money on us going to New Jersey and working with him, and so it was demanded a little bit that it was on the record. But we could we would have been fine with that one not being on there. I'm really <laughs> glad people like it. That's funny, but it's not one. It's not one. It's never been played live. We it's one that we were like, yeah, okay, okay, but you know, we don't have to play it live, and you can't make us play it live, so. <laughs> Um, we focused on, you know, Give Me No Lip and Angel In You and Line Em Up and Best yeah. of Friends and Sugar Leather and The Nail. You know, there might be one more. Uh, those are the ones, man. Those are the songs. Uh, we played Gunfighter for a long time and then we just decided that one day we just decided, eh, it's a little wonky. It's, those other songs from that record sound a lot better when we play them. And, um, and that mixed with a bunch of shit from the first record. That's a set list, you know, mm -hmm. that yeah. sounds good. And then when Pissed came along in 94, you know, we took a few off of that and it kind of lightened, it made it easier for us to not play Gunfire and a couple other ones. So, you know, yeah. And then, uh, and then in 95, 96, when the, uh, we made the artist formerly known as Dangerous Toys record, that, was a trend follower a little bit, you know, the, the songs on there were quite different. You know, we, we attempted something different and it was kind of a thing that a lot of people were doing, different projects, trying to, you know, not only stay in the game for what it's worth, but try our hand at just a different kind of song crafting. Mm -hmm. And honestly, there's a lot of shit on that record that the band still loves very, very much. I mean, you know, we don't play any of it live because it's just kind of, you know, it's not really the most popular shit. <laughs> like we started this interview, you know, people want to hear Scared and Teasing Woody and Queen of the Nile so they can right. go home and tell the, pay the babysitter. The babysitter, that's right. Okay, a lot of people who follow my page are obsessed with dirty looks and i know that 
you know, Paul's in the band and you guys did a dirty looks thing was kind of before the pandemic, right? Would you guys ever you ever gonna do something like that again? Where you you kind of front we, dirty we looks? We did not. We didn't we did not do anything you before don't? the pandemic. We oh. we had a couple of shows booked and we okay. even bought plane fare out of Texas and we were gonna meet Gene and Jack, uh, you know, in uh, in Baltimore and move on from there and do our shows and uh, see how they went and and try to make a plan after that. Well, then the pandemic hit and, you know, it was coming up on those dates and it was like, we pulled the plug. The oh, promoter okay. pulled the plug. We pulled the plug. It just, you know, it didn't make any sense to try to go do those. Oh, okay. so. See, yeah, because I remember seeing everything about that. I didn't realize that none of the shows ever happened. I thought maybe some did, so nothing happened. Okay. Well, it was it was only two. It was okay. only two. And so, you know, you know the, the good news is, is we're all still alive and <laughs> right. we're going to try to do it again. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's talk of even, uh, us working on some, some, uh, you know, new recordings. Okay, cool. And maybe not, maybe not calling it Dirty Looks, but, uh, calling it, we gotta call it something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, just put it out as a to Henrik, so there's some new songs for people to, uh, to hear, and, uh know that it's not a quick money grab as much as it is you know fuck man these guys wrote some great songs with Henrik Ostergaard and, and I'm a huge fan and uh, for the for the remaining uh, Cool From The Wire lineup guys to want to get together and, and put aside whatever disagreements may have happened or weirdness that may have happened to you know to the band because you know they have a played together since uh screw, turn of the screw and you know some of the songs a couple of those guys didn't play on at all mm-hmm. see what i'm trying to say so yeah. it's hard to, it's hard for one of the sort of original guys or as close to the original guys to go well i'm not playing on that because i'm not playing on that yeah i didn't <laughs> i wasn't on that record right. you know it's kind of so but you know i'm not on that record either you know, so, you know, I'm, I can argue with them and stand right next to them and say, you know, but so they need to see what I mean. There's a lot of things they need to kind of get over. It really is about paying homage to uh, just to the band and to Henrik and and appeasing some fans that probably missed it, you know. Yeah, like I said, I, I think I hope you guys can do that because like I said a lot of people really love Dirty Looks, and uh, a lot of these things, and you probably see it, and maybe you guys even talk about it sometimes in your podcast. Some of the stuff, you know, maybe it wasn't huge when it was out, but it, it it it's like the legend grows. You know what I mean? The steam just keeps picking up over the years. It's something. I'll give you another example. It's like um, when Motley Crue did the album with John Karabi. You know, like that album, it wasn't a commercial success or anything. But over time, everybody's went back to it and said, "Man, even though this wasn't a big hit for the crew, and you know, crew had to get back with Vince Neil, or whatever, people love that album." And there's a lot of little pockets in people's catalogs like that. You know, doesn't get a lot of attention, but there's a cult following for it. I agree, and that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> so we can nerd out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of those little diamonds in the rough that were you know depend it depends say whatever you want you know uh, a low spot in the band's career so they i mean you could say that about judas priest when they had ripper owen right it's the same thing yeah yeah i know you're a big kiss fan uh 
I see there's a Kiss documentary coming out in June. There's going to be a Kiss biopic. Are you excited about these uh, Kiss things coming up? Oh, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch that for sure. I sometimes wonder, though, as a fan, and I've been following them a long time, and, I, and you know, you don't want to get cocky as a fan, because, you, but you do. You feel like you've seen everything that they've ever done. You know, you've watched the Kissologies. You had all the bootlegs of all the different concerts, and you've heard the interviews. I'm just wondering, what could they have that we don't know? But I guess that's why we have to watch to see. Well, I think it's uh, finally going to come. I mean, those guys are like 70 now, and, you know, they're... It's not as good as it used to be, and I think that they know that. Right. But I think Kiss is like Star Wars. It's going to be around for a long time. Wouldn't be even be surprised if Diz, if Gene sells Kiss to Disney and Disney <laughs> hires a bunch of guys to dress up like Kiss and tour. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, you're right. I think Kiss will go on forever, you know, to what capacity, who knows, but yeah. Kiss Kiss will always be around. Yeah. For sure, just like Star Wars will always be around. <laughs> That's for damn sure, especially in my house, man. Especially with May the Fourth that was just on. That my kids love it, I love it, and it's just it's on. It seems like it's been on every night lately. So yeah, Star Wars is not going anywhere. Well, I think Kiss is not going anywhere either. I think that they know they created something, just like George Lucas knows he created something, and. Uh, you know, they want to put out as much product as they can as long as it's quality and there's an audience for it. There's no reason why. I mean, and there's enough really great Kiss tribute bands. They could just, I mean, uh, you know, Tommy and Eric are getting starting to get up there a little bit, but they could actually manage the whole thing. True. You know, if yeah. they had had some young bucks come in who could sing and play their asses off and play the parts of Gene and Paul. They probably know them already. Yeah, yeah. My thing that I've always hoped for, like, I don't really want to see a Kiss tribute band, you know, that would continue without them. I, I, what I want as a fan is like Kiss 2.0 that like kind of kicks it up. You know, like when somebody, you know, like say with Star Wars or any of these franchises, they hand it off to somebody who's got some really cool ideas and can take it someplace different. I, if, if there's going to be a Kiss 2.0, I want to see it go someplace different and be a little more extreme or relate to the modern era or the, or the young kids differently. You know what I'm trying to say? Nothing wrong with the way. I love what Kiss does. That's my favorite band, but I would love to see a little bit of a ramped up version of Kiss, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but I, I gotta say, man, I've seen some pretty fucking good Kiss tribute bands. I won't go by name because it's gonna, you know, start a whole <laughs> right. argument. But, um, and I know that there's some guys out there that can do Paul, and I know there's some guys out there that can do Gene. Sure. Um, and they could, they could tour right now right. Uh, yeah. and really really do a great job um, but I think that what you're saying is you know a 2.0 would be really cool and it would have to be like you said more extreme I like where you're going with yeah. that Yeah. now extreme to me is like when I see Kiss now they're tuned way down because they can't hit the notes anymore <laughs> right. they're playing every, They're playing everything really slow yes. and that's, that's lame yep and they're they're moving slow because you know that's what are you gonna do? They're they're, they're seventy. Yeah. It's a it's a hey you know it's life's a bitch and you die you know. So 
they're they're gods. We all love them. Everybody loves them. Even the people that hate them, they don't know why they hate them. <laughs> right. They, 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 deep down, they love them. Right. So, you know, I think that you know, I think that that might be something that's cool, and I hope I'm around to see that happen. That would be fucking awesome. More extreme, like, you know, back in the day when they were full of piss and vinegar and just fucking going for it and jumping all over the place and playing their songs up to par and just rolling around on the ground and doing high kicks mm-hmm. and just freaking out. I mean, that, you know, burning their hair off and shit, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And now it's too safe. And there's, right. you know, five-year-olds in the front row with their mom. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like the spitting the blood. People used to be freaked out by that in nineteen, you know, in the seventies, whatever, seventy four when they came out. But well, today, that was the idea. That's today, the idea. you know, that's yeah, the whole yeah. They're not people see it today. They're not freaked out because they've seen stuff that's way more extreme than that since. So, like I said, I don't know what it is. I'm just saying I would, I'd love to see. I hope somebody figures it out. What what would shock people, you know, but still be in the the spirit of Kiss. Well, you know, I think that if people like horror movies where they're, you know, bloody vampire movies, mm-hmm. then they, they understand what Gene was trying to do up there. Oh, definitely. But if they don't like bloody, scary horror movies and they see Gene do that, they were freaked out. Oh, yeah. But people who like vampire shit, they're not freaked out by that. No, no. And, you you know, know, but they love it because they're, because they're horror fans. Yeah. So. And the thing with Kiss yeah. was it was legend. You know, there was a lot of stories. I mean, I remember yeah. people used to tell me, "Oh, you know, Gene used to stomp on chickens with his uh, boots." That they probably got confused <laughs> with the Alice Cooper story. But you know, this is the kind of shit. You know, Peter Chris stuck an M80 up a goat's ass. I mean, I, I swear to God, I heard these stories. I'm like, these are the most absurd things. You know, once you know Kiss and you've watched all their videos, I mean, this stuff never happened. But you know, with no video, no internet, th- these are the kind of whacked out stories that people would tell. You know. Well, they're making it up because of the way they look in the yeah. picture. You know, yeah. I bet these guys are gay. You know, it's <laughs> right. like, and who cares if they're gay? Who care? What are you worried about? You must have some kind of fear. You know, what yeah. are you worried about? What do you care? You know, because you be just because they were they were scary looking. You know, yeah. So good stuff. People were people will say anything they that anything that. They want because they and they might really think it just because of the way that they look, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, and I think that that Kiss ate that up. I think that the guys, the more rumors, the more records sold. True. True. Yeah. Well, hey, man, it's been awesome talking about all this stuff with you. Anything you want oh, to yeah. s- say uh, to your fans out there in closing? No, just, you know, Google me and check out my website, jasonmcmaster.net, and uh, try to keep up. There's a lot of shit out there. It was a pleasure, man. Really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, awesome. Have a great night. Well, that was great talking with Jason. Go to his website to keep up to date on all he has going on. And look in the description on how you can support the 80s Glam Metal Cast. And thanks to all who currently support. Rock on!